It's time for Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. And now your host, Doug Murin. Hey, glad you could join us together this season. Hey, today I'm going to take you back in a message I delivered a while back. Actually, as I kind of reviewed it a bit for today's show, I realized it's actually a chapter out of a book that I wrote called Is It Real When It Doesn't Work? And it's a great book on First Peter. You can't go buy it at the bookstore anymore, but you could go to Amazon, and they have a few if you're interested in it that you could you could uh, uh, probably pick up that's used or maybe never sold and they're jammed away in some warehouse somewhere. But it's not a bad book, and this is really a good message. And I was sitting here with Mark and thought, yeah, let's let's run that one. I th- I think I, I like that material, and uh, so hope you enjoy it today. And uh, so glad you're joining us again in this uh, great, great time to be devoted to Jesus. I'd like you to turn to First Peter 4, and let's look at it for a moment. This morning, we will not have the time to cover all of the eight points about guidance that are contained in these 11 verses. Um, but this section of Scripture, we are going to go at it primarily with the mentality we always do, and that is that the Lord must have something He wants to study in our life. Uh, We believe that the Bible, as much as it is to be a book that we study and learn and understand and and grow in the knowledge of, is primarily God's tool by the Holy Spirit of studying us. It's how we are analyzed by the Lord, and it's by our interaction with the Scripture and public speaking that we grow. As the passage in Hebrews says, uh, it's the Word of God that divides asunder soul and spirit, as it were bones and marrow. And separates the flesh and the soul from the, from the spiritual life that the Lord wants to release in us. It's the tool the Lord uses to adjust, examine, to critique, to evaluate our basic living attitudes. And in this section today, we're going to look at the whole issue of how we know we're in the will of God. I've discovered uh, something and had it confirmed with some research in my study time this week, uh, that, that I, I always believe there are certain topics between about the age of 18 and 23 that are really interesting. In fact, they're vital, that the Word of God address some issues that are unique to that part of our life. Then we move from 23 years old to, say, 30, and begin to uh, enter into our vocations and begin to uh, establish our life in some degree of permanence. And there are other issues that come up that the Word of God uh, must address. Then we hit uh, the span of our life between uh, before our kids leave and now mom and dad are alone or for single persons where we're now moving into uh, more advanced years in our vocation or our lives. And, and there are whole other issues that we begin asking and ask the Word of the Lord to address. The one thing I've discovered, though, is that there's one topic that remains a vital concern to us through our entire life. And that is how we are led by the Lord. When we're for a younger person here today, you're asking questions. How do I know what God's will is for my education? How do I know what God's will is for the place where I will live and how I will approach my life? Should I be single or should I marry? What is God's calling in my life? Then for those of us that are moving into our vocation, am I choosing the right vocation? Do I want this promotion? Do I want to move? Do I... Do I buy this? How do I work out this issue? Now 
we move to our what by some is called the twilight years where we're looking back on the majority of our life has gone by and we're looking at a lesser span ahead of us and we're asking some questions again what is god's will for our life now in response to the to the amount of time i've lived what is his will for me and researchers say that it is the one topic that remains the primary concern for believers their entire life and i want to suggest that it's it's only defined differently for the christian but for every human being our entire life can be summed up in this singular quest. Am I doing what will count most with the years that I have? Is my life having impact and meaning? Frankly, is my life worth living? And, and I'm a guy, frankly, who didn't used to believe in midlife crises. I didn't. I, I, uh, until I had, a, my wife said, a three-week one a while back, uh, I didn't believe in them. I, in fact, I honestly believe that a midlife crisis was something that these guys made up and bribed some psychologists to write books about it so they could justify being jerks for a few years and have everybody feel sorry for them. <clears throat> but I've, I've since, through research and through personal counseling experiences, uh, come to believe there really is a factor. And, and in fact, we're finding now that it isn't just men that are susceptible to midlife crisis, that women are as well, very much so, susceptible to a midlife trauma. And and that, in fact, I'm believing it. They used to say it was just 40 and above. I'm finding that in, in some men that I'm able to minister to, it's like as young as 34 and 35. In fact, I was with the congregation on Friday night. We're a very successful pastor a few years ago, and my friend now has come in and taken the church over uh, and had me share with his group Friday night. Uh, guy stood up, married to his wife for 13 years. The church has grown to several hundreds of people. And he stood up one Sunday morning and said, I've married the wrong woman. And, and no, I guess there was no other candidate in mind. He just wanted to be released from his obvious calling as a pastor to go find God's will for him. And as I think we would all agree here that's a fairly stupid thing for a pastor to do. How many would believe that that <laughs> doesn't make a whole lot of sense? The congregation now feels betrayed, and they ought to. And they're wondering what's going on. His family is crushed, and here's a guy... That, that in my, just hearing the story secondhand, in my perception, had all the signs of a midlife trauma where now he's has responsibility up to his ears, a lot of which you aren't going to get out of. And the question is that now you discover that the realm of mobility has been greatly limited. And the options are getting fewer. And are you in God's will? And it can be a traumatizing time. I don't think any more so than any other time in our life, though. And our, one of the cultural distinctives I'm finding more and more is in the younger guys, 27 younger and women, it's getting, I'm finding an interesting thing. It's getting harder and harder for them to make decisions. And in the generation prior to that, you just made decisions and didn't worry about the consequences. Now it seems like there's such a heightened awareness of the consequences of decisions. I mean, I mean you're blessed if you can find one who'll make a decision. You know, it's just <laughs> incredible. And, and so we do have traumatic things we're looking at. In the later years, there's grief. You know, I, I don't think I followed God all my life. What do I do now? Should I do something nutso and radical to really make an impact? And, and so all these, I say, just be careful. Uh, being led of the Lord is a lot like uh, marriage counseling, from my perspective. Uh, we have many fine marriage counselors in our church, professional people who counsel 
uh, people who, who need help. And I would encourage that if you feel a need for that. I'm not putting that down at all. There's a time for that. But one of the things that, that, that I've taken note of is it's really tough when someone comes and says, you're, you're our last resort. I don't mean where we're coming to have our interaction about you know, what is happening maritally, but I mean a counselor, a professional counselor. Let's take me out of it. A professional counselor, a couple comes to them and says, you're our last hope. We've been to 25 people. Well, this counselor, his heart sinks through the floor because he knows if he's the last resort... Let's kiss another one goodbye, you know, because he knows he's, you know, he, he doesn't have the skill to handle it. Or, better yet, uh, an adolescent, a family with an adolescent come into my office and say, we need help, we need a parental miracle, you know, can you cast it out or something? You know, can you can remove the spirit of subspeciesness, you know, from this child of mine? And, and, uh, and, and, uh, and you know, I, I, I've never said this, but I've wanted to muster up the courage to say, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late. Evidently, you may have a child, maybe you taught them well, that is going to discover life the hard way. Some people grow in wisdom with a great deal of pain. Others, for some reason or other, learn from other people's mistakes and do fine and have listening ears. But I've, I've, I have one statement that I always like to say, and I praise God that it's true, that life doesn't end at age 18 or 19. Some of you would be dead. Right? It really would. It didn't end there. In fact, I found that even if you have an adolescent that's just basically a bonehead, <clears throat> that if you hang around long enough, you look at them 10 years later. I've watched it in the t- just a short time I've pastored here. Kids that were absolute ignoramus. I mean, idiot kids. You didn't want to admit you knew them. You were their pastor or anything else when you'd see them in public. Become, in many instances, the most creative and fine and productive adults in our society. It's just part of the process. But life is not dealt with as a Christian with quick fixes, is what I'm getting at. You, you just can't, if you're here today and you came for a little slap of oil on the head and a little magical rub of the name of Jesus, or a nice little how-to document that will make you walk out of here problem-free, you, you wasted a beautiful morning. It's sunny out and good day for golf, you know, and, and you blew it. It's gone. And because that is not Christianity. In fact, we will study next week, Christianity suggests that you can even have things go bad, very bad, and be still in the middle of God's will. Again, you're listening to a message that I gave a while back, and I, I want to break in here and, and uh, just say this. Hey, I'm putting together, uh, the, the, the leaders here at uh, Krista Ministry, the radio ministry, have, have allowed me to have a spot to put some three- to five-minute shows on FM at, at some strategic times and some other locations, too, that are pure evangelism, and they're of the tone of, if you probably don't remember this, some uh, some of people like me would remember it. Paul Harvey had a show called The Rest of the Story. Well, it's kind of that tone. They're little pericopes, a little inslots from history, meaningful things about how to receive Christ and what he means. I need some friends to help me pay for that. I've got some of it paid for. I've got some friends helping with the show. But if, if you could, this Christmas season, 
go to my website, DougMurinRadio.com, DougMurinRadio.com. Just go there to DougMurinRadio.com, and you through PayPal can give a gift, or my address is there where you could mail a check. I'm going to put it all toward, one, our airfare for the show here, but also for the spots for outreach. We want to be doing outreach. So if you want to help with some evangelism, boy, I would really appreciate it. And I know you're going to enjoy today's uh, message because I, I remember now writing that book and, and preparing this message and, and tons of people were really helped by this. So enjoy as you listen today and God bless you. And another way to support the Caught on Tape broadcast, when you purchase Logos Bible software products, a portion of those proceeds will benefit this radio program. Just go to Logos.com slash caught on tape. That's Logos.com slash caught on tape. And now back to more caught on tape with Doug Murin. The faith that we follow that was exhibited in the Lord Jesus Christ is one that is committed to this understanding that Christianity is a lifestyle. A lifestyle that is built out of basic building blocks in our life. And I want to suggest to you, the worst time to think about being led of the Lord is when you vitally need guidance. The best time to think about being led of the Lord is today. And begin building building blocks in your life that will ensure your ability to hear His voice and know His will. To be at the place of His outpouring and His blessing. And this morning in the passage we read, there are at least eight. Eight vital building blocks to making sure you'll be in the will of God. There's no way we're going to talk about all eight of them. I'm not even going to promise that I'll I'll go over them next week either. I don't know what we'll do. I honestly thought I could preach this whole message this morning and discovered last night that there was no way it was going to happen. I'd simply like to read the 11 verses and outline the eight points here that are eight building blocks to knowing God's will. Write that down as a title on your Bible or your notes. If you can't write in your Bible, throw it away and I'll give you a good one. But, but uh, it, it'll help you remember this. Let's read it beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past, doing what pagans chose to do, choose to do, rather, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Does anybody want to stand and uh, cop to those things this morning? No, let's just leave them out there. He's getting kind of rough, isn't he? <laughs> These guys, he's not exactly trying to build their self esteem. Do you get that picture there? Okay. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. And they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit." Now let me explain this verse because it can be easily misunderstood. That verse 6 has absolutely nothing to do with our theme today, but I I feel compelled to explain it so there's no confusion or misunderstanding. In the New Testament perspective, uh, what happened before Jesus' coming, in fact it's an Old Testament biblical perspective as well, 
when individuals died before Jesus' resurrection, they were captive to death in a location the Bible calls Shale Hades. And even the righteous were held captive to the demonic authority that had the key to death until Jesus was resurrected and broke the bondage of, of death in, in the life of, of his righteous that he had called. And, and the Bible suggests that in, in a place in one of Jesus' parables, he called it the bosom of Abram, Abram's bosom. You've probably heard the old, some of the gospel songs about the bosom of Abram. And that was the place where the righteous were held, though with the other righteous, they were still captive to the spirit of death. Now what happened biblically in the New Testament, if we were to build a composite of many verses and, and pay close attention to the context and, and get from them what they would teach, we would discover that when Jesus went into the bowels of the earth for three days, he went into Shale Hades and declared and proclaimed God's great victory in his death and resurrection. And he took the keys of death and hell and he freed, according to Ephesians 4, all those that have been held captive by death and ushered them into the presence of the Father by His sacrifice. His blood and gracious gift gave them authorization to be in the presence of the Lord. Those who had rejected God and, and, and righteousness before His time even were judged according to God's standard. Now, Hebrews 12 says that this host that is in heaven, in the grandstands of heaven, observing our walk and battle on a fallen planet for God's kingdom. And so it is this point that this verse addresses, that everyone has had to face accountability. The primary point is this. We all will be accountable for how we managed God's will in our life. That's the point. Now, verse 7. He says, The end of all things is near. I want to pause right there. There are two points so far that have to do, as you know, there's only one phrase in here that had anything to do with the will of God. You look up here in verse 2. It says, uh, the, he's contrasting a lifestyle and value system that is, that is man's will with a lifestyle that is built around God's will. And there is in verse 1, the number one point. And you can write a number one by the word arm. He says, arm yourselves with the same attitude. And that is Christ's attitude. Secondly, jump down here to, uh, let's go ahead and jump to verse 7 and put the number 2 there. The end of all things is near. Put a number three before the next word, therefore, which is the next building block. He says, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. In other words, praying is the third building block to being in God's will. Number four, put by verse eight. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. It's love, a loving lifestyle, will be putting you in a position of being in God's will. Fourthly, uh, rather, fifth, I mean fifth. Verse 9, put a number 5 there. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. In other words, involve your home in what is happening. And number 6 is in verse 10. Each one of you should uh, use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its very forms. In other words, steward or administrate your resources, your abilities, and gracious gifts from God. Steward them properly and you'll be in God's will. 7, verse 11, is if anyone speaks, he should do as one speaking the very words of God. In other words, speak with a confidence that God is in fact, in fact working through you with giftedness. And number 8, 
If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Great section of scripture. Eight points there. Eight building blocks. And if we had time, which would be about two or three hours, and if I could speak well enough to keep your attention, and it would be we could in any way consume that volume of, 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 of scriptures, we could learn a great deal about the basic building blocks to knowing God's will. I offer you no methodology today. I could give you some methodological keys that would be no more valid than your heart preparation having lived out the basic fundamentals of Christianity. What do you do when it isn't working for you? Remember we started out that way? And Peter is acutely concerned being a wise old counselor, a spiritual counselor in the church of Jesus Christ. He is very concerned that these people in their troubling times don't get confused and forget about having a concern for walking in God's will. He's very concerned about that. I don't know about you, but when things start going wrong, that's when I start wondering if I'm in God's will or not. How about you? How many would, would confess to that? I do. I look around and yeah, this isn't going perfect. I must have missed God's will along the way. Well, you've been listening to Caught on Tape again, a, a past message I gave. Hey, I'm doing some training in churches. If your church is interested, I'm calling them schools of evangelism. I, I couldn't think of anything more corny than that. And or and I thought if I get snazzy, it just sounds cute. Basically, I find that about 10 to 15% of any church can get pretty good at sharing their faith. And when that 10 15% of the church population is not engaged, the church will die. It will not grow if you're not doing outreach. And I can prove that. I've been at this a long time. And uh, I've studied and I've presented this thing to tens of thousands of people. I mean, probably more like a quarter million people uh, on, on how to share your faith called Schools of Evangelism. And I've done this in seminaries. I've done it everywhere. So if you would like to get this presentation to your church, I we'll make it work one way or another. We're not, you know, but but it does help our show because I will ask you to, you know, help with the show if I come and help you with the evangelism because we really want to make this thing work. So thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. I I sure enjoy bringing them to you. So God bless you. And by the way, if I can help you in any way, connect you with some friends in your city or ever, wherever where you need help. Just go to my website, DougMurinRadio.com, and there's a place that, that will get an email to me directly, and I answer every last one of them quickly. So, God bless you. Well, my hope for you this Christmas season is it would become the most memorable you've ever had. I know I'm going to be spending it with my parents, and I'm looking forward to that, and my children, and my kids, and my wife, and... And uh, I think this season, Christ has an extraordinary blessing in mind for you. So have an eye for it, be open to it, and be blessed in Him above all things. And another way to support the Caught on Tape broadcast, when you purchase Logos Bible software products, a portion of those proceeds will benefit this radio program. Just go to logos.com slash caught on tape. That's logos.com slash caught on tape. Caught on Tape with Doug Murin is a listener and friend-supported program. Your help with the show and expanding the evangelism events of Doug Murin is appreciated. You can write Doug Murin, Caught on Tape, at 1806 5th Street, Wenatchee, Washington, 98801, or online at DougMurinRadio.com. 